Well, we're in 1 John, and today we're going to be in uh, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 6 and some other verses from 1 John that accompany these verses. I've started out by asking you a series of questions. Every sermon will begin with a question, as with this one, and we'll get to that question just a little bit later. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. By this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same way as he walked. In 2007, the Lord took me on a spiritual journey. He he called me far out of my comfort zone into a realm where he stretched me and shaped me for a purpose known only to him. I could look back and see where he started And I could see where he was going, but I still don't know where it's headed. But I know God had a plan and a purpose in that journey that I began back then. It all began with a struggle in my prayer life. I I had been presented with an opportunity to to participate in a doctor of ministry program. And uh, the application lay on my desk for about a year. I already had four years of college. I graduated from William Carey. I had been to seminary for three years. That, it, by the way, to go to seminary, it takes three years to get a Master of Divinity. Three years full time. So I had seven years of school. And this was going to take three more years. And uh, I was 50 years old. That's, that's a pretty big step. Not only so, but it was going to be an expensive journey. Expensive because of the school. Not only expensive, but expensive because of where it was. It was in San Francisco, California. Part of it would be in San Francisco. Part of it would be in the Canadian Baptist Seminary in Cochrane, Alberta. So after a year of struggling over the decision, the application laying on my desk, and there's a reason I wanted to do that particular program. I I felt interested, committed to it was because of some of the key leaders who were going to be involved. Henry Blackaby was going to be one of the key leaders and some others. And so, but I never heard from God all, all that year of praying, and I never heard from God, and, the, and some of you have heard this story before, and then, and then the deadline passed. And uh, so I was sort of miserable. But about a month after the deadline passed, in a space of two hours, God gave me four definite signs that he wanted me to participate in this program, and they came within a space of two hours. The first one, the first sign was that I got a call from the seminary in California. The man who was head of the program called me and said, you had expressed, and I didn't even remember talking to them or indicating to them, I don't know how in the world, but he called me out of the blue and said, we would like you to participate in this program. And he said, uh, you're going to get some other contacts. And right behind him, I got an email from Richard Blackaby, who at that time was the president of the seminary in Canada. 
And right behind that, I got an email from a lady who had prayed for me when I was in a difficult spot in, in my life, and she was the ministry assistant for Henry Blackaby. Now, I, I, these are people I didn't talk to. These are people, really, I didn't know. And those three came starting at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's when it all started. And then at 7 o'clock that night, I walk into prayer meeting. I walk down the middle aisle of the church. One of my deacons grabs me by the arm. He has no idea that any of this is going on. And he tells me, he said, the Lord has laid it on my heart to tell you that you should go into the doctorate ministry program, that it is God's will for your life. Now, I was sort of taken aback by that, but I knew in that moment that the way those things had happened within the space of those hours that God was telling me that this was something that he wanted me to do. So uh, I made the journey. I, uh, I was able to do that, and, but only because I knew it was an assignment from God. I, I made that 2,307-mile trip from home to the, prov to the province of, uh, of Alberta. Uh, and on one of those trips, I got off the plane. And uh, when I got off the plane in Calgary, Alberta, Standing in the airport to meet me was the man who had come to pick me up and Henry Blackaby. Well, I didn't know Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby didn't know me. But there was Henry Blackaby standing in the airport to meet me, to ride back with me from, to the seminary. We get in the car and we sit down in the car. And Henry Blackaby asked me a question. He said, Eddie... Tell me what God has been doing in your life. Now, Henry Blackaby was important to me because I had been through the study experiencing God and through some other things that Henry Blackaby had done and had read several books that he had written. So to me, I was sitting in the car with Billy Graham. I, I really felt like that. A man that God had used to help shape my life and ministry, although I didn't, didn't really know him. So this was one of those divine appointments for me. And he says to me, Eddie, tell me what the Lord has been doing in your life. And so I was honest. I told him that the Lord was working with me, but there were times when I would seem to hit a wall in my relationship with the Lord and my journey with God that I just couldn't break through. I told him, I said, sometimes I encounter opposition, resistance, both from within from within my own heart, and from outside. And then he asked me a question that I couldn't answer, which is the question which serves as the title of the sermon for today. He asked me the question you see on the screen. What is it that keeps you from being obedient to God? And all of a sudden I felt like uh, I was a little boy. Here I was uh, with a man who had spent time with the President of the United States as well as leaders from all over the world. And here he was asking me this question that seemed to me that if, as if it had come from the very throne room of heaven. And I tell you, I've had to ponder this question. The Lord has asked it to me personally as I have prepared this sermon over this week. And uh, so here it is. And now I'm asking you. And the Lord is asking me again, what is it that keeps you from being obedient to God? 
John was dealing in 1 John with some people who had made the claim of knowing God. And so he tells us that one of the signs of knowing God is our obedience. And that is the first point that will outline the message. And I want you to remember it. One of the signs of knowing God is our obedience. The Amplified Bible gives this rendering to the word know in verse 4. To say I know him is to say I perceive, I recognize, I understand, and I am acquainted with him. Now given that definition of the word know, would you say that you know him? Would you say that I perceive him, I recognize him, I understand him, I am acquainted with him? And there are some of us here today who would make that claim. As a matter of fact, most of us who are members of the church would say, I know the Lord. But do you know him? Seven times in this second chapter of 1 John, John talks about knowing him. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, and listen to how he addresses these people. He says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known him. The Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. So, John wrote this letter to people who knew God, which means they perceived him, they recognized him, they understood him, they were acquainted with him, they, like John, experienced God, they enjoyed continuing fellowship with him, they were honest about their sin. And they sought to be cleansed of sin because of their hope of one day meeting Jesus face to face. John wrote this little letter because he wanted them to know God better. And because there were some who made the claim of knowing God with their lips, which was a claim that their lives contradicted. How many of you here this morning would say that you know God? And what will be true about your life if you do? Well, this one little book of, of the Bible outlines way, ways we can truly know God. In chapter 3, John said, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. I'm just giving you some, some, some scattered verses of things that John says in this little book of 1 John about knowing God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. This is how we know, he said, that we have passed from death to life. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. This is how we know that he lives in us. And then there's that great statement of purpose in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, which summarizes the entire purpose of his writing the book. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's a pretty important word to him. And so in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, he says, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. That's why Henry Blackaby's question 
to me was so critical. It has to be examined in the light of this verse. Are you obedient to God? And if not, what is it? What is it that keeps you from being obedient to God? The second point that we're going to look at is this. One of the signs of knowing God is our obedience. It's that important. Jesus said in John 14, 21, you see it on the screen. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. That's a remarkable verse. That little verse, verse four, chapter John chapter 14, verse 21. Now I'm going to read it again to you from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible gives, always gives the, the verse a little bit of the original language and puts the emphasis where it belongs. It puts some <clears throat> in the verse. So here it is. John 14, 21 from the Amplified Bible. The same verse you see on the screen. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus real to you? Why not? Is it your obedience that's the problem? Is your failure to obey keeping you from an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? <clears throat> I know I'm talking about a controversial topic all of a sudden, but what if the president called you? You can pick whichever one you would like to pick, the present one, the past one, or one of the former ones. But what if the president called you and said that he would like a personal meeting with you? Suppose he said, I want to meet you on the steps of the county courthouse at 10 o'clock Monday morning. Would you make arrangements so that you could be there? Would you change your schedule so that you could be there on time? And if you did not, and if you would not, what would that say about your desire to know the president? Yeah, you might have a beef with the president. You might disagree with some of his policies and not show up for that reason. Or it might be... That the president has some assignment for you that you don't want to do, that you don't want to talk about, so you don't show up because of that. There might be many things that keep you from responding to a, an appointment with the president of the United States. But we're talking about the God of the universe. We're talking about the God who created you. We're talking about the God who loves you and sent his son Jesus to save you. What is it that keeps you from being obedient to God? What is it, I have to ask myself, that keeps me from being obedient to God? Is it, is it that important? Is it more important than knowing God? Is it more important than experiencing God? Is it more important than having Jesus reveal Himself, manifest Himself, and His purpose and His plans to you and to me? If I am not obedient, here's the kicker in this if I am not obedient if I am not being obedient what does that say well first it says I don't love him like I should it says at least that and when I was forced to face that question from Henry Blackaby I, I could not escape this verse if you love me you will obey what I command 
What else does it say about a person who refuses to be obedient to God? Well, according to John 14, 21, I'm cutting myself off from the love of my Lord. I'm not allowing Him to love me like He wants to love me. Some of you have children. You've had children. And have you ever had that kind of experience with your children when you were trying to do something really nice for them? You, you were going to give them a surprise gift to show them how much you love them? I did that with my girls. I have three girls. And back in the mid-80s when we were, well, it was the, the early 90s because we lived here in the mid-80s. And we moved to Camden, Alabama in 1988. So it was somewhere around 90, 91, 1991. My girls were, two of my girls were teenagers and one of them was small. And I wanted them to learn how to play basketball. I love basketball. And so we had a driveway and we'd dribble up and down the driveway and we would shoot over a tree limb because that's all we had, a tree limb. And I'd have them shoot over that tree limb, you know, just playing, enjoying being with my girls. And so uh, I decided that I would get them a basketball go for Christmas. But, you know, getting a basketball goal for Christmas, if you really want to have one for Christmas, you've got to put the pole up at least, put it in the ground. You've got to put concrete. And so I had them out there helping me. I dug the hole. We put 800 pounds of concrete down in the hole and set the pole. And they said, what are we setting this pole up for? I said, we're setting this pole up because I'm going to put a light on it so we can shoot over this tree limb at night. And they believed me. And they complained the whole time they were helping me. As a matter of fact, by the time I got them out there to help me, they complained so much, I thought about putting a light on that pole and just shooting over that tree limb. But eventually, you know, what I was trying to do was I was trying to shower my love on them. I had a surprise for them. I had some, and you, so the night before Christmas, you know what I did, like some parents do when the parents get their kids something for Christmas, this is what I did. I went out, got a neighbor, and we went out that night, and we put up the backboard and the goal. And you would never believe the surprise on those girls' faces when they came out the next morning and saw that there was not a light on the pole, but actually a real basketball goal for them to shoot at. And we enjoyed that the whole time we lived there. That's exactly why I have an artificial knee, because I played a little too much basketball under that, on, that, on that goal. Well, anyway, sometimes God has something He wants to reveal of Himself to us. He wants to shower His love on us, and he says, Come walk with me, come do this with me, be obedient to me, and I will show you myself. I will reveal myself to you. I'll open up my heart to you, and yet we hinder, we're hindered from being obedient. So Jesus indicates that our failure to be obedient hinders us from a deeper experience with God. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him. 1 John 2, 3, we looked at a little earlier. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. But what if we don't? What if we don't? 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. The man who says, I know him, or I believe this is chapter 2, verse 4. It says 3. But the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So if I ask you today, do you know the Lord? And you said, yes, I know him. 
Do you perceive Him? Do you recognize Him? Are you acquainted with Him? Do you understand Him? Do you know Him? Are you obedient to Him? So what does your obedience problem say about you? And what does my obedience problem say about me? Is your lack of obedience a love problem? Has your failure to be obedient cut you off from some special expression of the love of God? Is your obedience problem keeping you from a richer relationship with God? Or could your obedience problem indicate that you simply do not know Him? You do not perceive Him. You do not understand Him. You are not acquainted with Him. You do not recognize Him. Now we go back to the question that's the very heart of the matter. What is it that keeps you from being obedient to God? There's something. I had to identify that in my life. And as I walked back through this passage of Scripture this week, and I looked at that question again, I had to think about it again. What is it that keeps you from being obedient to God? There's something there. There's a barrier there. There's a line that you've drawn and you said, I will go this far, but no further. I will not cross that line. I will not do this. And until you do, you can't go forward with God. One of the most interesting verses in the Bible is John chapter. It's interesting, and I've told you before, it's interesting because of the reference. John 6, 66. John 6, 66. You recognize that verse, some of you, 666? It says, from that time, some of his disciples went back and they walked no more with him. And what it means is they drew a line. They said, this is as far as I'll go. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, but I won't do this. And when the moment you say, God, I won't do this, is the moment you limit your obedience with God and is the moment you stop your journey and your relationship with God is broken. So some of us need to go all the way back, years back perhaps, to a moment when God asked us to do something and we didn't do it. Some of you, God may asking you simply to be baptized. You've never been baptized. God's asking you to do that. You've not done it. And to be obedient... You need to say yes to Him. You need to do what He's asked you to do. But for some of you, it's something bigger than that. That's, being baptized is, is a big thing, but it's really a very small thing, isn't it, when, in the grand scheme of things? Because for some of us, there's a greater commitment that God is calling us to. There's a greater assignment that God is calling us to. This week, uh, one of my former members from Agricola I listened to him preach at the Mississippi Baptist Convention, president of the Mississippi Baptist Convention, Mark Vincent. I remember when he just simply owned Vincent's hardware, and he was just Mark. And I listened to him preach, and, and as he preached, he told the story of his own surrender to the ministry. I know about that surrender. I walked with him through it from a distance, but I walked with him through it. The sacrifice he made to sell the hardware store and to tell daddy that he was going to sell the hardware store and go into the ministry. 
I want to tell you what, that sacrifice is real to Mark, still today. Not just selling the store, but the sacrifice of leaving home and leaving daddy and being obedient to God. There's a step of obedience God's calling you to make. Some of you, it'll be costly. Don't let anything keep you from being obedient to God because on the other side of that step of obedience, God will shower His love on you in a way that you never dreamed. It'll be more than a basketball goal, I can promise you. It'll be opportunities you never dreamed about. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to be a part of your kingdom and a part of your work. I thank you that you put us in positions and probe us with questions that cause us to examine our relationship with you because you want to take us another step further than the steps we've already taken. Oh Lord, please, please, as we approach this time of invitation today, may we respond to you and to your call. Lord, may folks hear from your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing?